Nicole, and Silas. Turn your Bibles this morning to 2 Peter chapter 3. We'll be headed to Daniel chapter 9. Where we are doing a, a study of the book of Daniel. And, uh, it's, uh, well, in my mind at least, because uh, I'm, I'm interested in such things, um, the prophecy part of the, the book of Daniel as far as is prophecy in the sense of telling the, the, what's going to happen in the future, um, I find very intriguing. And, uh, and I know if God says it's going to come true, it's going to come true because, you know, so many of the prophecies that were given in, in the Bible ahead of time have already come true. And, and uh, hundreds of them even related just to the person of Jesus, a, a true, verifiable, historic uh, figure. You, know, you say, is, is the Bible a history book? Well, no, not, not primarily, but the history that it gives us is accurate. And, uh, and then the, the Bible has the added component that most history books don't have. Uh, the, the history books just tell us about the past, and maybe the past kind of like foreshadows things that could happen again in the future too. They say that history tends to repeat itself, right? And uh, we're seeing some of those uh, things nowadays. But also the Bible uh, not only gives us history, but the Bible tells us some, some, some further things that are going to happen in the future as well. They say, well, how can the Bible do that? Well, because God transcends time. You've got to have a being that, that transcends time in order for us to exist the way that we do uh, here within the realm of time. Uh, look. All of us know, all of us know that just, we're one creature, okay? We're one, 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 uh, one type of creature. And just the type of creature that we are, in and of itself, besides the thousands and thousands of other illustrations, we know that the complexity and intricacy that is found in a human being couldn't have just happened. We know that, don't we? I mean, if we're going to be honest, I mean, you know, order never comes out of chaos, and so if there was some, some sort of an explosion or a burp or, or something happened out there, some sort of a tremor that supposedly, you know, set things into motion and uh, the big bang or, or whatever you want to call it, that out of this, this, this bang or this explosion, all this order came? Well, nothing else in, in, uh, in what we see around us illustrates that, right? And they say, well, do you believe in the big bang? And I, Well, yeah, God said it and bang, it happened. You know, that, that's what the Bible tells me. And that makes sense to me because if you have something that transcends time and if you have something that, that, that's powerful, that's, that's all-knowing, that isn't confined by what we're, we're confined by, then, we can, then, then he can create it. He can create it. You have, to, you have to go back to something. In the beginning, God, the Bible says, right? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created. Well, if, if you don't choose to go back to God created, then what do you go back to? You have to go back to something. And whatever you go back to, is it able to create and is it able to put into motion and to sustain that we have today, what we have today? Even uh, if you think about the, the, you know, the Bible says that the earth, in the book of Isaiah, it says the earth is made to be inhabited. Now, I know there's a lot of talk uh, right now, and, uh, and supposedly soon the government is going to come out with a report about UFOs and, and, uh, and aliens. And, you know, this, we spent uh, million, billions and billions of dollars exploring these things and, 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 and trying to find out about uh, life in other places. Well, we do know that there is life in another place, and the Bible explains to us uh, what that is. And, and all of us have the capacity of living in this other place uh, forever. Uh, but, uh, you know, to... Uh, to, to what we need to focus on as human beings is the Bible says the earth is made to be inhabited. And think about it. The earth, you know, as it rotates and, and the earth as it goes around uh, the, the, the sun and, and, and the earth, the distance from the sun, 
and, and just the atmospheric pressure that we're finding, this closed system. You know, the water that was here thousands of years ago is still here. It just keeps filtering itself and, and you know, redispersing by God's uh, methods. And, uh, you know, there's just so much that we look at here at Earth and just take for granted, even as we breathe here today, we're taking for granted uh, the, 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 atmos- the life-sustaining atmosphere in which we live, which in the, in the scope of the cosmos, I mean, to think, you know, we've got this one little speck here. I mean, it's an exaggeration, basically, in, in, in the scope of the universe. To call the Earth a speck is like an exaggeration. And, uh, but on this speck, you know... We're specks on the speck, <laughs> and uh, we're alive, uh, breathing, living, heart-pumping organisms that can hear, that can process, that can communicate, that are made with a capacity. Here's the, here's the kicker. They're made with a capacity by God's vision and design and purpose to have an eternal relationship with our Creator. Yeah, that's a, we could stop right there and just think about that for a while. Come back next week. Just ponder that. Ponder that for a week. Uh, Maybe compare that to all the other big answers that people come up with. Because everyone has some sort of answer for for what it's all about, right? And uh, I'm here to tell you today, the only reason I'm I'm a preacher, well, God, you know, God has led my life to be so, but I would not be a preacher if I hadn't found in the Word of God all the answers to my big questions. You know, I know, you know, where I came from and, and, and why I'm here and, and what this journey, the basics of it is supposed to be, where I'm headed in the future. And then God even took the time to tell me the big picture plan of it all. And uh, he told guys like Daniel. And he said to Daniel in Daniel chapter 9, uh, I, I'm talking to you about these things because you are my beloved. You are my beloved. You say, well, who's God's beloved? Well, God loves everybody. But his beloved are the ones that, are, that have chosen to receive that love and reciprocate it. That's the difference between God loving everybody and being one of his beloved. When, 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 when you know, when I, if, I, you know if, I, if, I have a, if I have a beloved, it's because, you know, we have a, a, love, a, 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 a love relationship. It's a two-way thing. And, uh, and, and so... Um, God came to Daniel and said, you know, you're someone who is interested in learning about me and walking with me and, and serving me. I'm going I'm to show you. I'm going to show you some things. I'm going to show you some things. Now, um, you know, not everybody appreciates what the Bible has to offer. And, you know, I mean, we don't, I don't, no one forced that on me. And I'm not going to force it on anybody either. But, you know, if I have a half hour here on Sunday mornings, and, and I assume that if you're here this morning, that there's something within you, at least to a certain degree, you're thinking, okay, you know, I just want to explore this a little further. So think about this some more. I want to see what this is all about. It's all going to mean something. And uh, if it doesn't mean anything, then, you know, a lot of people get to that point and say, well, I continue to exist. What a tragedy that is. What a tragedy that is. And so in 2 Peter chapter 3, it kind of just talks about a certain attitude here. It talks about a certain approach. And, and, and it talks about the importance of recognizing that when God gives us disclosure about some things, he means for us to think about those things. And he means to, for us to, to process the implications of what he's giving us. In other words, he's not just saying, hey, you know, this is kind of a curiosity. This would be a neat thing. Uh, you know, I'm just going gonna, gonna to tell the future a little bit. Come here, God with his crystal ball, and, you know, come to the crystal ball, and I'm just going to tell you, well, have some fun with this. This is what's going to happen in the future. And if it does happen, it'll be like, oh, wow, that was neat. 
When God gives us some things about what's going to happen in the future, it's because we're supposed to walk in light of those facts. There, there's implications to it. Um, there, there's a purpose for it. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that because I hesitate to, to go too much into, you know, these things of what the Bible says is going to happen one day without having the, the framework, without having the spirit of why we do it. And so I kept, I, I was studying the book of Daniel, I was forging ahead on it, and uh, the Lord just kind of kept taking me back to this passage here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And so I was like, okay, Lord, you know, I hear you. We're going to spend some time on that, and then we're going to go back to look at that 70th week. How many weeks out of the 70 that we saw last week, how many weeks have already come, come to pass out of the 70 that God gave Daniel? 69 of them have already come to pass. 69 groups of seven. A week is a group of seven. And we can tell clearly in the context and comparing Scripture to Scripture that when you had, when you had 70 weeks, that's 70 times seven. That's a total of 490, right? And, uh, and, and so um, 69 of those weeks, or 483, have come, uh, have come to pass already. All right, 483 years. There's a seven-year block that hasn't happened yet. And it very clearly hasn't happened because some of the things that the Bible says are going to happen during that time, historically, you can't find them. They haven't come to pass yet. They're still future events. And you say, can the Bible really do that? Yeah, the Bible's done it many, many times. And, and if there's things that still haven't happened yet, the history is not recorded, and uh, we haven't seen it pan out to that degree, then, you know... It's, it's still going to happen. It's, we, could, we could say it is on the horizon, all right? It's going to happen because God can see it all. God can see it all. And uh, his plan, his plan will not be hindered. His plan will not be daunted. Look, for all the plans man may have and all their conspiracies and all of their attempts at grandeur and control and power, they will never be able to stand in the way of God's plan for the ages. You can be assured of that. And you can stand on that ground right there. So let's have a word of prayer. And uh, we'll look at 2 Peter chapter 3. And maybe we'll have a time then to kind of go from that into that 70th week. And let's look and see what the Bible says about that last uh, uh, block of seven years. What's going to happen during that seven years? And uh, could, it be, uh, could it be that that's pretty close to us? Uh, well, we'll see. All right, let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd help us now here in 2 Peter chapter 3. Lord, I pray that you would open this up to us as only you can, Lord. We need your help, uh, understanding your word. We know that the Bible says that spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And so, Lord, uh, please give us your spirit today to, um, to, to, get, to uh, dispense this truth to us in a way that we can understand. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so it says here in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says, This second epistle, or the second letter, beloved, it's interesting there, he has a relationship with these people, I now write unto you in, uh, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. So he's saying, I want to I stir you up a little bit here. Okay? And uh, so it's sort of like uh, uh, Peter, by way of a letter, uh, he's sort of, I guess, I guess preaching. Here, he's given some truth, and he wants to stir them. He wants to stir them. Do you need to be stirred at all? I know I don't need to be stirred. I get complacent. You know, I get distracted. I get, I get, I get into, like, all the little mundane things that are going on here in my sight and, and the things I'm having to deal with. And, uh, you know, I get lazy sometimes in, in the, the important things. 
And so Peter says, you know, I'm writing some things here to stir you up by way of getting you to, to, to remember some things. And it says in verse 2, that ye may be mindful of the words which are spoken before by the holy, what's it say? Prophet. So he's saying, look, there's been some guys that God has used in the past to give us some words that we need to think about again. Now, one of those prophets that he's speaking of here, because he's found in the Holy Bible, is Daniel. And so you could even say it there if you want to specify, you know, according to what we're studying in Daniel, you can even say that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken by Daniel. Because Daniel was one of the holy prophets. All right? And he says of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So he's saying, look, we're all on the same page here. You know, the prophets aren't competing with the apostles. Okay, you don't have the Old Testament believers competing with the New Testament believers. We're all, we're all ultimately drawing attention. We're all trying to, to, to put our minds towards the same thing, ultimately. And, uh, and it says uh, in verse 3, knowing this first. Now let's think about this to begin with. That there shall come in the last days, what's it say? Scoffers. <laughs> and so God gives us disclosure, Okay. God never says, look, uh, if, you, if you trust me and you trust my word, uh, I can just promise you that no one's ever going to give you a hard time, all right? And for the majority of the time, everyone's just going to believe, you know, along with you, and, and it'll just be a wonderful thing. He doesn't say that. In fact, he says, as time wears on, as time wears on, scoffing is going to become more and more prevalent. Now, do I say that because, you know, we're trying to have a persecution complex or because we're trying to say, well, you know, we're the true believers and everybody that laughs at us, well, you know, fooey with them and we just hunker down here in our little holy huddle. Is that what we're saying? No. But what we're saying is, let's be realistic of the fact that when it comes to prophecy, look, if I go up to a person and I say, God has told us what's going to happen in the future, and I can tell you because God said that, that that's what's going to happen, I can tell you what's going to happen in the future, well, some people are going to scoff at that. Some people are going to say, well, you can't do that. I mean, the weatherman can't even accurately give us the future. How are you going to give us the future, right? And I'll say, well, you know, because God says these things are going to happen. And some people are going to scoff at that, knowing that there's going to come scoffers. And then it says this. This is interesting. Walking according or after their own lusts. Now, you know why a lot of people scoff at the Bible? Because they got their own Bible. They got their own Bible. You see, they have a way in their heart that they want to live, and God doesn't really figure into that. Because as soon as we start thinking God created, and God put us here, and God has truth, then all of a sudden we have this feeling like, uh-oh, I'm accountable now. <laughs> and so what do we want to do? Well, if I have my life charted out the way that I want it, the things I want to do, then, humanly speaking, I don't want that accountability. i got to find some way to, uh, to ignore, to suppress uh, to get around that accountability, right? And so what could, what, what could we do? Well, one thing we could do at that point is just start to scoff. You know, scoff at truth. Oh, that's just, you know, that's just, that's just a bunch of religious uh, uh, formality. That's organized religion. And, uh, you know, that's, if you want to believe it, that's fine. But that's, that's just a bunch of fairy tale. Okay? And, and that's the approach that a lot of people have to the Bible. They scoff at it. They scoff at it. Now, the Bible says that that's, that's going to happen. Don't be surprised when that happens, but, uh, you know, be burdened by that as well, because everybody, um, somebody gave me a chance to see the truth, so I want others to see it as well. 
And so it says, and they say, this is one of the things they might say. It's given an example here of what the scoffer might say, verse 4. Where is the promise of his coming? So this is what they'll say. Well, the Bible says, you know, Jesus said he was going to come back. And, and the Bible says that Jesus said he was going to come back. So where is he? How long ago was that? You still looking out the window waiting for Jesus to come back? What a fool. What a waste of a life. This might be what the scoffer might say, right? That's exactly what it's saying there. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, since the ones that, that, that wrote about this, they're long gone. They're long gone. And things just continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now, I'll give them credit here. At least this scoffer believes in creation. <laughs> A lot of scoffers today, you know, they've done away with creation. They're way too sophisticated with, you know, God created. And they come up with all kinds of neat uh, theories, um, you know, about how, how it did happen. And... Uh, which, by the way, it takes, for me, it takes more faith to believe all of those things than it does that God created us, but that's, that's me. And it says, where is the promise of his coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now, for a long time, that may have been true. For a long time, people might have said, well, you know, things just kind of continue the way they were. You know, all the time, just over and over. Nothing new under the sun, and the Bible kind of talks about that, too, which is kind of... But you know what people have been saying lately? Uh-oh. Maybe the Bible has something to it after all. Because things aren't really continuing the way they always have across the board. You see, because all of a sudden, in the last 100 years, we've had huge strides in what's called technology. Right? We've had huge what they call advancements. And the technology has played into the hearts and, and minds of mankind that would scoff at God on the one hand, but on the other hand have to say, whoa, could these things that the Bible talks about are going to happen in the future, could they actually happen after all? <laughs> and the geopolitical atmosphere has changed a lot because of technology. The, the capacity to communicate, the capacity to control narratives, the, the capacity to, to, uh, uh, to control the way that people think and to seek to lead people with, a, with indoctrination in a certain way. Now, look, um, indoctrination is not a bad word in, in and of itself. Uh, we have doctrine for the Bible, and we're trying to put doctrine into people, right, through, God, through the conviction of God's word, and so in that sense to indoctrinate. But indoctrination, really, we need to go to the source of truth for that if we're going to, if, if we're going to, if we're going to do that. Because look at, if you're looking to indoctrinate somebody, you better be convinced that you're right. Because if not, think of the implications of that. If you're giving someone false indoctrination or misleading indoctrination, then you have played God in their life. And you have played God in their life to put them on a course of error, which is not the God of heaven, it's the God of this world. And so, what has happened? Well, you know, I guess for, for throughout history, people have just been able to scoff in that way. Look, you know, things just continue on and on and on. Nothing really ever changes. And uh, so what makes you think that you can say that Jesus is going to come back for us? 
What makes you think that the Bible's right when it talks about there's going to be this seven-year period where there's going to be peace on earth for three and a half years and where there's going to be a one-world government and there's going to be a one-world economy, there's going to be a common currency and where if people don't get on board with, with uh, the, the, the dogma, they're not going to be allowed to buy or sell even. And if they don't take a certain mark upon their hand and upon their forehead, the Bible describes, they're not going to be able to even be a, be a part of the economic system. What makes you think that, that that could ever be feasible? I mean, 100 years ago, people look at that and think it's the most ridiculous thing ever. It'd be easy to scoff at it if you didn't have faith in God's word. But now, people are looking at that and saying, hmm, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe it's not so ridiculous after all. And it brings people to sort of a crossroads of even having to become even bigger scoffers in order to stand against uh, truth and suppress it. Or to say, well, maybe, maybe I need to look into this further. And so as preachers today, we're trying to be the, 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 the voices to say, hey, look, could I encourage you? Look into that further. Could I encourage you the fact that all the God's prophecies have come true to this point and the ones that, are, that he says are going to happen are gonna, still going to happen? And when we look at the book of Daniel, we're not talking sci-fi, all right? We're not just talking about weird things that, you know, could happen in the future and probably going to be way off course when we get there. We're, we're talking about this is what God says is going to happen. And 483 of those years have already patterned themselves right out the way he said it was going to. And now there's seven period, uh, seven year period left that we're going to talk about the 70th week when we get back to the book of Daniel. And so it says there that uh, where is the promise of his coming, they scoff. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they, were, they willingly are ignorant, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. And so it says there that they become willingly ignorant of creation. Now, those that have been willingly ignorant of creation have come up with something called evolution. And it's called theistic evolution. Or, sorry, it's called, it's called uh, um, evolution. It's, it's called atheistic evolution for a reason. It is by, by those who do not believe that God created. And so you have to, you have to uh, come up with another um, process through which it all happened. And we're not here to have a, a lesson on, on a, a theistic, uh, or, or atheistic evolution today. But then there's those that say, well, you know, yeah, it does look like God probably exists after all. And, but let's try to mesh the two. Let's try to take humanistic approach with God approach. And let's talk maybe about theistic evolution. But yes, we believe that God exists, but we want to we not come across as anti-science either. By the way, you know what science is? Science is that which can be observed and repeated. And evolution has fallen on really hard times when it comes to those two things right there. But anyways, uh, it says, For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old. God created the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. And, and uh, he's even saying this. Do you know that within the creation that we can see, that there's evidence that there was a worldwide flood at one time. You know, one of the stories that the, the scoffers like to scoff at the most is, uh, is the worldwide deluge that, that Genesis uh, uh, describes. You know, where Noah was told to save yourself, build a, a, a big ark, a boat for your family, and anyone else that would want to get into it because there's going to be a flood in the earth when there's never even been rain before. 
It was like the canopy of, of uh, the greenhouse uh, um, canopy. And, uh, and, and so Noah preached it for, for, for hundreds of years. Not hundreds. He, but he preached it for decades. And he was given prophecy of it. And guess what happened? He was scoffed at. That's not going to happen. Man. I mean, you were talking about water falling out of the sky and getting so deep that none of us could survive here. Come on, man. That's ridiculous. And uh, he preached it, he preached it, and it, and it happened. Now, people look at that uh, biblical account, they say, you know, that they scoff at that. But Peter is saying they're willingly ignorant of the fact that there's evidence of that throughout the whole world. There's evidence of there having been a, a worldwide flood everywhere in all kinds of terrain. In fact, a lot of the topography that we have on earth today is testimony to that worldwide deluge, to that catastrophic event. Even the weather, weather patterns that continue to, to, to go from that time until now uh, are evidences that there was that catastrophic event uh, which had, as it were, sort of an ice age after that, which has, has kind of slowly been receding uh, since then. And, of course, you know, everyone wants to freak out and say we've got to get cars that plug in and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know. You know, I don't know to what, to what extent to take all that. I mean, did God make a steward over the land? Yes, he did. God said, I'm putting you here as a steward. We need to take care of it, you know. Don't throw your garbage all over the place. Um, you know, don't, don't, uh, uh, don't, don't, don't desecrate the planet. But on the other hand, are we going to totally push out the fact that God is the one that made us and put us here? And we have to look to him to help us sustain all this, not just do it by our own humanistic devices and plans. I mean, wouldn't that be a great balance for people to say, in God we trust, God, how do you want us to manage this properly? Instead of saying everything about God is foolish, we don't even want to talk about that, let's talk about together how we can make heaven on earth. That's right in the face of God right there. And that's what this is talking about. Whereby the world that was uh, uh, being overflowed with, with water perished. That happened. The Bible describes it. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in, in store, reserved under the fire uh, against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. There will be a day in which everybody is going to have to face God. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this thing. This is verse 8. This one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Now, this is interesting here, because this is the point that this is making at this point. The whole idea of what it's saying there is that time isn't the same to God as it is to us. Okay, it's not trying to say, look, when it says the Bible, in the Bible that God created in six days, that was actually 6,000 years. It's not saying that. That's, a, that's, that's getting real, you know, imaginatory with God's word. All it's saying is this, look, you know, we serve a God that's not inhibited by time like we are. He transcends it. And the people who say, hey, where's Jesus? You know, you've been talking about 2,000 years that Jesus was going to come back. Well, you know, God is not flustered by that. And God doesn't say, yeah, man, I better get with it here because these people are getting a little impatient because it has been a couple thousand years. And I need to accommodate them. You know, God sees it. It all, he knows how he wants it to play out. He knows what he's accomplishing to begin with. He knows what's going to bring more, the most glory to him in the end. And it will happen according to what he said. Just like the worldwide flood happened when people scoffed at it. And, uh, and I love this. Uh, it says here, um, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. 
Some people throw a promise out there, but they don't keep their word. He's not, he's not like that. It says, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God says, look, there is going to come a time when this is going to play out. It's going to wind down. At the end of uh, Daniel's 70th week, there will be a time of great judgment. But you know what? In the meantime, I want people to turn to me. I want people to recognize me. I want people to say, there's a God. I want to heed who he is. I want to turn in my heart to him. And I want to live this one life, this one shot that I gave it life here on earth, the way it's meant to be lit, with a relationship with him. And you say, you know, God, man, you know, the Bible just describes him as being this judgmental God that wants to call down fire on everybody. It's just the opposite. You know, ultimately, it is all his, and he's going to have to deal with it. And he will deal with it. But even in the, in the seven-year period, we're going to see that there's, there's rounds of eviction judgments. You know? The, the landlord is, gives chance after chance. Okay, look, you got to do this. but This is my property. you got to do it my way. Okay? Or I'm going to have to evict you. All right? Come on now. <laughs> let's, let's. And he gives, he gives a number of different rounds of that, of that within the, the seven-year period. But ultimately, it is his to restore and to, to put it the way that it should be. And, uh, you know, some of you deal with properties. You can understand a little bit of the imagery there. But it says here that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. He's given us chance after chance, not willing that any should perish, but that, what's the next word? All should come to repentance. Now, what repent means? Repent doesn't mean um, I, I, I'm going to make a decision to never sin again in my life. Now, would that be a good decision? No. That'd be, that'd be great, but uh, I'm going to tell you a little secret. It's probably not going to happen, all right? Repentance is having a change of mind. It's having a change of approach. It's having a change of direction. It's the scoffer saying, you know, I think there's something to this as far as a creator God who wants a relationship with me. And I think there's something to it, the fact that he's been, he's been long-suffering in my life. He has put up with a lot of my antics for a long time now. And he wants me to, to start looking to him. And that's what the Lord is, 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 is working towards. But then in verse 10, it does come back to this thought. It says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Now, the day of the Lord is not when Jesus returns. The day of the Lord is ultimately, and we're going to see this described in the, in the uh, 70th year, the day of the Lord is God will have his time of reckoning. God will ultimately have his way in things. Now, he's long-suffering. He's patient. He does give opportunity for people to come on board with it. But it's not optional in the end. <laughs> we don't get to say, but I didn't believe that way. We don't get to say, but that's not the way that I thought it was going to be. We don't get to say, I wouldn't have done it that way. Ultimately, and I'm not trying to say this unkindly or because I'm any better than anyone else here, ultimately God will have his say. And it says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned. And it's interesting how it says that. All this is going to be dissolved. Because God is going to put something new in his place. But it's interesting how he says that all the works here that were done in humanistic fashion, those are all going to be going to go up in smoke as well. 
Now think about that. All the aspirations, all the power plays, all the posturing for power and for money and for influence and for position, what is that all going to add up into the end if God is, is kept out of the picture? What's it going to add up to? How old do we live to be? You might be the first person to live 150 years old. I don't know. Do any of us really want to be here that long? <laughs> and what is that compared to eternity? It's a sliver off a sliver off a sliver off a sliver. And I exaggerated the amount there. And so um, it says, The element shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are in shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? You need to take God into consideration right now. Looking for and hasting unto the coming day of the Lord. You need to be looking for that. Don't listen to the scoffers. What have they got to offer? Don't listen to your heart that just tells you, hey, look, you know, just go do whatever you want to do because life is just about getting all the pleasures you can for now. Don't listen to that. You think about, there's a time of reckoning coming. What does that mean for me right now? And how do I want to, I want to live my life according to truth? Not trying to be a good boy or a good girl, but saying, hey, look, you know, how do I get a genuine relationship with my, my creator God? Because one day that's the only thing that's going to matter. One, thing, one day that's going to be the only thing that matters. And it says, looking for and hasting, verse 12, unto the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Sounds pretty wild. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth, what's it say? Righteousness. Now think about that. Oh, man, this is good. You know, God has a plan to set it all right one day. Because do you ever get frustrated looking at things now and just say, man, this is just crazy? I mean, how can people make such dumb decisions? How can our country be headed in this direction? There's no hope. The wheels are going to fall off. And you feel like there's nothing you can do. But the thing of it is, is God has promised, and it says right here, nevertheless, in verse 13, according to his, what? Promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now, when we go to Daniel and look at his 70th week, it's, it's, talking, it's, going, to, it's going to talk about eternal righteousness. Eternal righteousness. Now, we've had some pretty good, you know, we've had some pretty good leaders in the United States of America. I'm, I'm kind of a Ronald Reagan fan to some, to some extent. But could he usher in eternal righteousness? <laughs> Whoever your favorite leader, you know, did some things right, it was good. Can they usher in eternal righteousness? No, there's only one that can do that, the righteous one himself, the Prince of Peace. And we're going to see that within the 70th week, there's going to be peace on earth conjured up by man, and everyone's going to be singing Kumbaya and circling around this wonderful, peaceful thing for three and a half years, and then there's going to be what people will call hell on earth like there's never been before. But it says, wherein dwelleth righteousness. God has that plan. Wherefore, beloved, see that you look for such things. Be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. He's saying, well, is that just telling me that I have to be a really good person? No, it's saying this. Look, search for the place where true peace can be found. And that's in the gospel. 
Search for the place where you can be without spot and blameless. And none of us can do that in and of ourselves. You know, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all fall short of being spotless and blameless. The person who could be maybe have the best opportunity to justify themselves still falls short. And it would be like me who could maybe, you know, go to the edge of the Grand Canyon and jump out there 10 feet compared to the guy that can run out there and jump out there 200 feet. Where do we both end up? Right? Same thing. Same difference, like they say. And so, look, being without spot and blameless, that's something you have to find in God's plan. You can't find it in your own. Finding peace that passes understanding, finding true peace in life, that answers all these questions and knows why you're here and where you're headed and how it's all going to sort out ultimately with what we need to know, that's only found in what the Bible calls the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Now, in Daniel's 70th week, we're going to find there in chapter 9, it talks about the people of the Prince. But it's not talking about the Prince of Peace. There's another Prince that we're going to look at. And see, I'm talking about all these things here from, from 2 Peter because I'm saying, look, you know, we're going to go back to this prophecy. But let's remember when we look at these things from these prophecies, these holy prophets, let's remember how it all fits in to what we're doing here and to what we're serving. It's not just truth unto itself. It's truth about our relationship with God. It's all about God saying, hey, I've got this and I want you with me. And I want you with me. And, uh, and uh, so, um, if you look down at verse 17, it says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, uh, beware, lest ye also. You know, I've told you some things that are going to happen in the future. Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So, we're not even going to make it back to Daniel chapter 9. But when we do, this is what it's all about right here. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Because his words are yea and amen. And they are true. And uh, we're going to look at some more uh, forecasts of the future. And some of it's going to sound pretty crazy. But when you look at it, you're going to say, yep, I think we're headed that direction. And it's okay. It's okay that we are. Because God has it all uh, under control. And, uh, and ultimately, you know, uh, sometimes you've got to go through, you got to go through, you know, the world has to go through some particular darkness in order to, to appreciate true light. And, uh, and you say, well, you know, didn't you tell us that the Christians aren't going to be here for that last seven years? Yeah, the Bible indicates that, but it doesn't mean we're not going to see some of the precursors of it. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to have to deal with the spirit of Antichrist in the meantime the spirit of that prince that it talks about there in, uh, in Daniel chapter 9. Oh, man, I'm itching to get there now. But uh, so this is like another, you know, it's just a, it's like a parenthesis to our study in Daniel. And hopefully it was, it was helpful and uh, gave perspective uh, for it um, uh, this morning. Well, let's pray.